Welcome to my podcast, Musings of a Christian Philosopher, where we talk about deep and often challenging topics of theology and philosophy. I'm your host, Adam Polstra. Let's get started. Good day, listeners. Well, here's my thought for today. One of my, one of my favorite verses in Scripture is, Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. What immediately stands out about this verse is its order. Why would act justly, come before mercy, come before walking humbly before your God? Shouldn't it be the other way around? Walk humbly before your God, love mercy, and act justly. Wouldn't that seem to make sense? Well, I would surmise that that would make a whole lot more sense to a modern person. But it wouldn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense philosophically, and it doesn't, I don't think it would make a whole lot of sense to an Israelite of that time. So let me explain. How is it that we can really love mercy, going towards the middle part of the verse? In order to love mercy, we actually have to be exercising mercy. And how do we really know if somebody actually is? We could, of course, have the same question about justice. Is someone actually acting justly, or are they simply acting with their own sense of justice? See, if we are failing to act justly, if we do not punish evildoers, for example, if we do not have, or sorry, do not, first of all, have, yes, a good system of justice and of law, but also follow it, actually reward those who do follow the law and punish those who do not. If we fail to ask, act justly, then what we have just begun to do is allow abusive, lawless, sinful people to rule. Of course. How, what, how else could that go? Those people do exist in spite of the opinions of a number of people today. And many of them have no desire not only to change, but even to admit a single fault. That is, really admit a fault. It's not really admitting a fault if you say the words and no active change comes about in your life. That is not what repentance is. Repentance involves change. Anyways, those people do actually exist in the world, wherever you go. And if you fail to act justly, then only one inevitable course of events can follow. See, those people are willing to use force. Those people are willing to cheat. They are willing to abuse. They are willing to exert a aggressive form of power. There are certainly other forms, and I think very good forms of power, but not this one. They're willing to be violent. And if we fail to act justly in our own individual lives or in our society as a whole, then we have given them an enormous amount of power because we have allowed them to use their resources, if you wish to call them that, willy-nilly, however they desire to do so. And if indeed they are so in power, if they can essentially dominate whoever they want the moment that they, are, that they open up the option of violence, which they are more than willing to do, then the good people that are still remaining will still say that they are acting with their um, loving mercy, that they are acting kindly and nicely and so on. But when it comes to their dealings with these people, with abusers, with lawless people, their niceness 
is the avoidance of pain. How do I know that? Because it's simply peacekeeping at that point. Deep down, they know that these people are willing to use violence and abuse. So when they're in their presence, all they're really doing, all of their niceness, agreeableness, kowtowing, quote-unquote meekness, and so on, is simply an effort to try to avoid the otherwise inevitable result of being treated unjustly by these people. So in other words, our refusal to act justly results in our mercy not being mercy. What we're really just trying to do is keep the people in power from exerting what we know they are willing to exert. And that often will include around other people who are similarly not willing, like us, to use violence. Why? Because the violent ones are in charge. They are the ones calling the shots. So we don't want to say something to a confidant that might get the abusive person angry. Everything is defined by their borders, their barriers, their boundaries. You can't talk about this. You can't do that because it will upset them. It doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to follow a rational course of thought. Now, going towards the last part of the verse, if we are so dominated by abusive people overall, again, personally is more important in our personal and intimate lives. Culturally, it can happen in much larger scale, but it doesn't necessarily affect us in our everyday lives so much. And there's less that we can do about it. Anyway, if abusive and lawless people have taken charge in our lives, part of the reason being that we have been unwilling to act justly, then what really are they doing? We just went through it. They dominate the lives of others. Now, somebody who dominates the lives of others, somebody who calls the shots, who tells you what you can and cannot do, what does that sound like? To a religious person, that should sound like a god. An abusive person having power over your life is a kind of idol. Because when it comes right down to it, if you want to do something that is truly godly, but it also gets under the skin of the abusive person who has authority over you and your life, are you going to be willing to do it? If you are not, then you are submitting to the abusive person rather than God. So how, how in that circumstance, are you going to be capable of walking humbly before God? So what I am saying is that if you do not first act justly, you cannot love mercy and you cannot walk humbly before your God. Now this does not mean, of course, not being able to be saved. Christians understand very well that it is not by our actions that we are saved. It does mean that you cannot walk humbly before your God. So I think the people that are caught in this trap may be saved very much if they have truly prayed the sinner's prayer, they believed it. As, as the book of Acts says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. I have no reason to doubt that that is true. But quality of life is another matter. And how faithful we are before the Lord rather than man is quite another question. Not entirely separate, but it is separate to some extent. If we want to walk humbly before our God, 
then what we have to do is follow the instruction that we have been given through the scripture, through God's word. And one of those things is to act justly. There's a lot more in detail as well. And I think that to truly love, we must act justly. Love leads to that, even for the good of the evildoer. They must be punished in many cases if they're even going to have a chance to recognize their wrongdoing and possibly repent. If you recall well, there are scriptures in the epistles in the New Testament that claim that exact point, that make that very argument. So yes, if we want to truly, truly love mercy, and if we want to uh, walk humbly before our God, we must act justly. We must not allow abusive, lawless, sinful people to simply have free reign to do whatever they wish. And that is enough for today. Talk to you next time.